Hello there, my name's Richard Plateau. And my name's Liz Walker. Welcome to episode six of the Bake Canadian Takeoff, a podcast about the Great Canadian Baking Show. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's holiday week. Holiday week. Happy holidays, Liz. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, Richard. Uh, I went down to the Toronto Christmas Market today. Oh, yes. And I have returned um, with indigestion and exhaustion, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is uh, festive and uh, appropriate. Yes, I agree. Yep. Uh, before we start into the signature bake, do we have any thoughts on last week's episode? I'm just looking through my notes here. I don't know. My my overall feeling last last week was was sort of um, <sighs> presentation is becoming increasingly important. We talked about last we talked about that last week, and there are skills that you have to bring to the table, literally, um, when you're when we're getting to this stage right of like this formal presentation and i could see that coming online last week and then and then this week i was like oh christmas stuff this is going to be this is we're going to see a lot of this and yet i kind of i felt like i was slipping on sliding all over the place in terms of like the my feelings on the um the the formal presentation of the bakes this week so that that's kind of yeah, what did you think? Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's all it's all getting it's getting to be pretty tight and fancy now. Like all the bakers left are, as Bruno said, are of pretty equal skill, and they're getting they're getting a lot more demanding. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like every reality TV show sort of builds its own morality and has its own values. And mm-hmm. I wish I could think of a specific example of this, like the Survivor morality is like outwit outlast outplay outlie outcheat uh, <laughs> um and it seems like the morality that they're developed that the judges are pushing for bake-off are like push yourself try harder try try do something more daring for yourself that's right um there's a, there's also there's always a lot of talk about you're always rewarded for your story right you know, you, you gotta bringing your story is really important. Um, I think it's what nudges Starbase, like Starbakers, to victory every time. Is is have they brought the story, so that another person may have like a really great bake, but if there isn't a narrative attached to it, then there's some like it's just it's might it's just this the sparkle's not there in terms of like getting the star baker and so and i kind of i kind of felt that was the case this week and i kind of had some kind of have a little problem with that so okay well let's uh, let's get into the bake so the let's signature bake this week was a swiss roll or was it bouche de noel was it mouth of winter bouchon Bouchon de Noël, yeah. Oh, bouchon. No, not the, no. It's, it's it's not it's not the mouth of winter. No, it's not mouth a bouchon. It's a bouchon. No. How, how do we say? Bouche de Noël. Bouche de Noël. Bouche de Noël. 
No. Oh. <laughs> the mouth the mouth of winter. I like that. Um yeah, it's well, it's a Yule log. We know it as a as a as a Christmas Yule log. Have you ever baked one? Yeah. I have never baked one, no. Have you? I did a couple years ago. I made one. And what I can tell you, I don't remember very much because I had a small, I had a newborn baby at the time, but I do remember that powdered sugar can conceal a lot of sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that James, was that was my look. <laughs> James bravely went for a for a pretty naked uh, Swiss roll with his uh, yeah. bark baked in, which Bruno thought was very daring and enjoyed. I thought I thought it was very cool when he was describing it. I had visions of of his pie pie. Yes. And, yeah. You know, and I was like, "Oh no, he's not going to be able to pull this off." Especially, especially because in the edit, they're like, you know, he forgot to put butter in his first sponge, so he had to make the jacquard sponge again. Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Oh, this is not going to, this is not going to go well." <laughs> I thought they were really pushing that story in the edit, like they had like voiceover of Julia saying, "James is going back to the drawing board." But James is trying something different from all the other bakers. But James is trying something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, he pulled it off. It looked amazing. I, I am really impressed with that technique. Um, I've seen it on uh, Great British Bake Off where they, I think, Jane, I don't know if you remember, we watched season seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you remember Jane, she baked like... Um, little fleur-de-lis into her cakes oh yes yes yeah same kind of a technique i think that's very cool i think it's uh, you know it's 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 a really neat effect and, we were, and it worked for him so we were talking about bringing a, a high skill level to the table earlier and i noticed a couple of things terry did that were not they didn't really draw attention to them but they were on camera which mm-hmm. is uh after she finished her sponge and she was getting ready to put the filling on it she like mm-hmm. put a little blob of filling on there and waited to make sure it didn't melt before going with right. the rest of the filling. Right, right, that's right. And then right. it looked like she had a very practiced uh, rolling technique, kind of using the um, using the parchment paper, kind of like a little sushi roller. Mm-hmm. That looked yeah. very practiced and very uh, very skilled to me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, so Terry's birch tree with um with a bird on it that she made a chocolate bird i'm quite a big chocolate bird on it um i think unfortunately was a was a was probably i think i think it was sort of the 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 bottom ranked Uh, there was a there was a big complaint about like too much frosting and it was too much frosting she's there she's still uh still cooking for a for a kid palette yes and they said too sweet there's a bit too much of the white chocolate okay. frosting on the top. It's it is so sweet. Yeah. And I I felt like I felt like it was damnation. Like just you know, Rochelle looks at her and she's like, it's too sweet. And I was just like, are we talking about the are we talking about the Bouchon de Noël? <laughs> <laughs> Rochelle, are we talking about the Bouchon de Noël? <laughs> Um, I loved the way that Linda said um, pumpkin. I don't even remember what her thing was, except it was pumpkin. They love pumpkin. They love pumpkin cake, pumpkin pie, pumpkin whatever. Yeah. And they and they sort of highlighted that Sabrina wasn't pushing herself, which was sort of the theme for Sabrina this episode, where she was just like, I I can't remember exactly what she said. Maybe we can find a clip of it. But a couple of times during the episode, she said, "Just doing a straight ahead. Just doing." Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's a question that this like in the what is the semi final 
Mm-hmm. Do you like? Do you try to win or do you try to not lose? Yes, exactly, exactly. And right. And last week, we we saw Julian was sort of highlighted in the edit, where it was just like, just stay in the middle, just don't, just kind of trying to like not lose. And yeah. that kind of felt like that was Sabrina's strategy this week. Yeah. Yeah. And then Vandana had a chocolate cherry. Which I thought that was the one that I would I would have eaten. Yeah, that I, one looked really I, good. Um, yeah, Linda's pumpkin caramel roll looked really pumpkin good. Pumpkin caramel—that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. No, they all they I you know frankly I would have put that I would have put the birch in my mouth too because they all look mm-hmm. they all look pretty good. Okay. Uh, shall we move on to the technical challenge? Rugula. The technical challenge this week was rugula, which is a Jewish uh, cookie traditionally served around Hanukkah, but also year-round. Yeah, um, it's made with a um, a cream cheese or a sourdough, which I've never made before. Yeah, me neither. It's it's quite a it's quite a mystery to me. That one is is really interesting, and rugula is one of those treats, which I. I associate with um, they look better than they are because I think I always accidentally buy poppy seed. Yeah, I've I've I haven't had a lot of rugula, but the ones I have had have not been very good. They've been no pretty dry and yeah, yeah, not very good. Um, yeah. but I don't think that is I don't think that's a quality of the food. I think that's a quality of the ones that I've had. Yeah. Uh, in preparation for this episode, I made some rugula. Uh, mm-hmm. I made rugula from a recipe just I just got off the web from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time I've ever made dough in the food processor because I only recently got a food processor. Yeah, I've never done it either. Um, the recipe I used was um, for fat, it was two thirds butter, one third cream cheese, uh, okay. and then flour and salt, all that other stuff, uh, and an mm-hmm. egg yolk. Um, and the food processor worked great for this dough. Like the recipe said, a bunch of things would happen, and then they happened. Uh, just Interesting. Whiffed it up in there. And is uh, it what kind of a dough is it? Is it like um, is it is it crumbly? Is it easy to handle? Uh, it's a very soft, wet dough, and you have to you have to do it in small batches and refrigerate between. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, this is also the first time I'd used uh, powdered sugar instead of flour for dusting for rolling out. Which is just a oh. mess. That is just oh yeah, it's just a terrible mess. I don't recommend it. Okay, all right. And how did it how did it turn out? Uh, they turned out tasting pretty good. I made half with a cherry jam filling, mm-hmm. uh, and half with a traditional um, walnut and pistachio and honey filling. And oh, I really I really whiffed that uh, filling in kind of a funny way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recipe said mix, you know, so much melted butter with a couple of tablespoons of sugar and the crushed nuts and some honey. Uh-huh. So I melted the butter and to save some time and washing up a pan, I just threw everything into the butter pan uh, and it was mm-hmm. too hot and I accidentally oh. made candy. Oh, oh but uh, you don't want candy. And so, yeah. So, <laughs> So it's impossible. To, it's I've got this very soft you can't get dough, so, mm. and I've got this like hard, sticky candy. So it's impossible to spread out. 
Mm-hmm. I think if I if I'd been thinking clearly, I would have like stop, maybe like spread it out on a sheet and let it harden and then crumble it up. And I think that would have been pretty good. But instead, right. I like tried to spread it on the dough, uh, and that was impossible. And then I like tore up my dough, so uh, <laughs> my my arugula were not uh, even or consistent or uh, attractive, but they tasted pretty good. <laughs> it's hard to know when when you've made a mis when you can you're like when you realize you've made a mistake, but you persist. Uh, it, it's it's noble, but it's you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, when do you when do you abort? When do you when do you pull up? Yeah, I oh, don't don't ask. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, that's a that's a hard question. That's like when mm. have you when when do you cut your losses on a fake? Right. Know. Yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, poor, I, don't, like, I don't. Yeah. I don't do it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Poor James had mm. to like remake his sponge uh, this episode. Yeah, like when when you're looking at it and you're just like, oh, and it's not so. So now remember, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like he burns, he burns a batch of his um, gingerbread, right? right? He had to like he now, had to sacrifice an outbuilding. Totally, he had to sort of start again. And the thing with that is that like I have gotten to the bake and realized that I've made the mistake, mm-hmm. but it's in the middle of preparing where something. The, the evidence is starting to, the, the feedback is starting to come back negative. And I'm like, um, um, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll just, I'll just try this thing and I'll try and tweak it this way. And maybe that'll nudge things back into uh, line. And it almost never works. No. I don't know. Those are like mad skills that you have to have, I think. Yeah, no, you start, you start, this car starts sliding and you try to steer into the mm-hmm. turn and you just end up spinning out in the ditch. Yep. Um, my candy mistake got me like thinking about recipes and mm-hmm. like how you write a recipe and mm-hmm. how much it's fair to assume that the reader knows about a recipe. Like you can't, well, yeah, you can't teach someone to cook from a recipe. You cannot write a recipe for somebody who doesn't know how to bake and things will turn out. There's just too many, like you don't put in a recipe don't mix the sugar with too hot butter or you'll make right. candy. No, cause, right, because you, you can't account for every possible <laughs> Right. Yeah, this, this, um, uh, uh, 20, <laughs> 20, 25 years ago, I think when I was just finished university and I was um, casting about for something to attach my mind to, I read uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I understood very little of it, and I remember even mm-hmm. less. But one of the things I remember was there was quite a lot of talk of instruction manuals and how terrible uh-huh. instruction manuals are. Okay. Um, and you kind of get into an idea of, like, the connection between human minds. Like, you are trying to take information from your mind mm-hmm. and put it in another human's mind, and you're mm-hmm. in a time and a space, like you're in an office in a bicycle factory writing bicycle instructions. Yep. And you're trying to put yourself in the mind of a bicycle in expert and come up with the questions that that person will have. So it's it's kind of an exercise in empathy, but an abstract empathy with with all of humankind. Um, right, and you're and you're trying to achieve a particular end, and and if it works, then 
then it has been successful. And if yeah. it does not work, then it has not been successful. <laughs> yeah, or you're or you're like you're trying to control another person's actions across time and space. To, yeah, to to no, them, totally. To give yeah. them your knowledge. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. A, yeah. Yeah, and 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 you cannot. You you it is it is literally impossible to accurately describe something to someone else. It's like trying to draw an accurate map. The most accurate map is is the thing. And the thing is useless as a map. Like the 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 land of Canada is the most accurate map of Canada, but it's not portable. Right. Um, but you're. I mean, you're you're a bit of a pessimist because people make things all the time. <laughs> I, sp I suppose that's true. But, uh, but 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 in spite in spite of in spite of the the technology of recipes, not because of it. It's, it is because you bring you bring a lifetime of experience, and you make you make judgments. And decisions right. Right. Uh, that the that the recipe writer never accounted for. It's true, and and recipes do evolve and mutate over time. I was reading that um, actually in Rugula, for example, mm -hmm. um, the cream cheese is a North American intervention. Right, it was sour cream before that, right? Yeah, it was sour cream before that. Um, so uh, Rugula has been made, I think they said for centuries, um, but never. Not with cream cheese, I guess. Right, so, which was you know, invented in Philadelphia, I believe. No, I don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, so these things are evolving, and it's so actually it's when you look at old recipe books, and of course the recipe is like three sentences long, mm -hmm. and and you're just terrified. You're like, how did anybody, how did anybody bake this cake? Right. It's, <laughs> it's the recipe is. Add half a cup of alum to a standard cookie dough and bake until done. Yeah, you're just like, how did how did anybody do anything? And yet, and yet they did. And yet. <sighs> okay, I hate muffins. Go on. Bear with me for a second. I hate muffins. I find, I find that uh, the ratio of like work to the products is is unsatisfying. Are you talking about making them or eating them? making them also eating them to a certain extent because like i like a big fluffy muffin i guess i like a muffin that's a little bit more like a cake but there's a lot of muffins on the internet a lot of recipes and they'll be like oh this is healthy and it's this horrible dense little sad nugget yeah it's a little vegetable puck it's awful i hate those and and I'm always trying to read the recipe, trying to like gauge: is this going to be a big fluffy muffin, or is this going to be one of those dreadful hard little <sighs> baked poos? Yeah. And 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 you don't know because the internet has it's it's you know the people out there making the recipes, you know, on their blogs, they have a different idea of what a good muffin is. Um, just, just branching out tangentially from the recipe problem, uh, I want to talk mm. talk about this Tom Soka article in the New York Times on uh, the lie of onion caramelizing. Uh, yeah. Every every recipe published says cook the onions for about ten minutes to caramelize, uh -huh. uh, and caramelizing onions takes about forty minutes. As yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, and he he dug into this and he went to talk to. Uh, the people who publish recipes and cooks and so on and said what? like why why does it say this and they say well you can't ask people to do that it's too big a step you have to like cut it down and make it seem realistic 
and you can't you can't have a recipe that has like an hour and a half of work time it has to be like 45 minutes of work time max i'm making up those numbers but that yeah, sort of thing no. like you you couldn't say that the people would not would not try it okay so but this... then but then but then your home cook and i'm i'm the panicked home cook because i'm looking at my my onions and 10 minutes have gone by and they are clearly not caramelized not what caramel. have i done wrong and he right? actually he he put this article out and he kind of fixed it he got a lot of publications to start putting in realistic times for caramelizing onions uh and then something kind of funny happened what? <laughs> which is what? that this article like went into the giant computer brain that is the internet and yeah. got like chewed up and text parsed and now if you type for a while i think it's fixed now but for a while if you typed into google how long caramelize onions a little huh. in a little information box would top up would pop up on top of the search results saying Tom Soka from the New York Times says it takes ten minutes to caramelize onions because that's just how it parsed the information oh in God. that article. Yeah, so he then wrote a follow up <laughs> article saying like Google is now putting out there that exactly the opposite of my intention. Fake news. Fake news. Fake onion news. <laughs> Not that kind of fake onion news. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, I guess we're done here. <laughs> um, when they were heading back into back into the tent for the um, showstopper, Bruno had this. He said this thing. He was talking about the stakes, right? The mm-hmm. stakes of the show the challenges and he says he says and it's a quarter final it's like soccer world cup and i and i was like he it's it's what it's it's like soccer worker and i had to go back several times yeah i i, I wrote this down because it was a good clip to pull out but i couldn't figure i couldn't understand what he was saying did you get it soccer worker soccer world cup Soccer World Cup. Soccer World Cup. I had soccer, soccer World Cup. I had soccer workers. Yeah. No, I was totally just like he said, soccer waka. Ah, wow. Okay. Soccer yeah, World Cup. Sense. Okay. You have to score. Did you look in on the uh, bake along on Twitter this week with the brandy snaps? Um, no, I didn't. Tell me what you saw. Well, I'll be frank. I thought yours looked the best. Um, oh, you... <laughs> there was a lot of good ones. There was a lot of really good brandy snaps out there. A lot of people tried uh, different fillings. Um, a lot of people burned themselves fairly badly, which I think is a bit irresponsible yeah. of the CBC. Uh, <laughs> but it was uh, yeah. it, it was really good. It was no uh, it was no fondant fancies. It was no like this is impossible, and you are all stupid right. for even <laughs> attempting this. Um, no, it, it, they all, every, everyone made some really nice uh, brandy snaps. Perhaps some new family traditions were started. I was just going to say, maybe maybe children will say, hey, do you remember when your mom started making brandy snaps? I remember when my mom started making brandy snaps. I'm never making brandy snaps again, so. <laughs> I was, just, I was reading up on the history of gingerbread mm-hmm. and I was, and it's, 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 it's really, it's interesting and it's, it always evokes like this idea of like the medieval village 
and the and the guilds and the bakers and the church and everything. And I was just like, man, I feel like we're living in a medieval village right now. <laughs> and it stinks. <laughs> but let's talk about the um, the showstopper. The, uh, the showstopper challenge uh, this week was to make a gingerbread scene or house or diorama or presentation. S structure of some kind. Structure. Which is uh, mm -hmm. which is straight out of the uh, British Bake Off. Yes, with a few details which are significantly different. Oh yes. Which I'm gonna want to talk about, but we'll get to that. We'll get there. Don't worry, we'll get there. I have a pro tip for families at home who are thinking of making a gingerbread house oh. for Christmas this year. Um, if it doesn't go successfully for you and you start to get very frustrated and things start to break and fall apart, all you have to do is put a plastic dinosaur in the middle of the scene and huh. everything everything goes back to being cool again. <laughs> That's, that is a good tip. It'll save your Christmas. Don't worry about it. Get the dinosaur in there. So we saw some interesting... Houses? There were some really unconventional houses. Yeah. Wow. Rich, have you ever been to uh, 30 Rockefeller Center? I have. I have been there once. I've been to uh, 30 Rock once uh, and to the restaurant at the top. Have you ever been there? Oh, I, I, I have too. Uh, we went to 30 Rockefeller Center for a friend's wedding. We did. Uh, it was Hi, both, both Liz and I, um, viewer. Uh, it's very nice. In there it's 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 a it's a it's a classy establishment i think it might be the nicest place i've ever been oh i think it's definitely the nicest place i've ever been definitely thanks rick and sabrina <laughs> uh reproduced that in gingerbread i don't know if she put uh the uh restaurant or the chandelier uh up on the top floor <laughs> yeah. no i thought i thought hers was um it was a very sort of s simple kind of presentation of... I, uh, I mean, know. it looked simple, but it's a giant gingerbread building with decorations all up and down and an ice skating rink. Like, Rochelle called her out for not decorating the back, but I think that was a lot of work. Well... It was, I mean, it was precise. It... Okay, okay, yes. I, all right, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm afraid I'm gonna dig into a dark place. Linda's barn was friggin' spectacular. Yes. Yeah, we can all agree on that. It was friggin' spectacular. And if you look at gingerbread houses, they're supposed to be loaded up with stuff. Like, they're supposed to be, a, like, a... a an Hyper opportunity to show off your yeah hyper detailed exactly and that's and they're I mean, not really kind of supposed to be sim sim simple simple looking sort of like stylized buildings they're supposed so to be the the oh I, I wish I wish I had more architectural backing here I'm gonna say brutalist <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Thirty Rock is brutalist but maybe it's not maybe it's Art Deco. <laughs> But the, the I think simple, it's Art Deco, yeah. Yeah, the simple clean lines of, a, of an Art Deco building are perhaps not the best choice. Well, that's, um, and yeah, and I'm also going to, I'm also going to put this out on the table. 
I was looking at the Great British Bake Off, and the Great British Bake Off is not the the you know alpha and omega. Maybe it is of baking shows, but um, when they did it in season seven, there you could not bring candy into it. There was no candy. Everything that they made, they they piped themselves. If you made little doodads, you you made. I think you made the doodads yourself. Like I I I went through after the show was over and I googled the contestants and I looked at their their gingerbread houses and nobody had additional candy bits because I think that the candies. The additional candies can confuse. It may look interesting, but it's applying candy is not to a to a structure is not a skill necessarily in and of itself. Uh, fair enough. And I was kind of surprised when Rochelle like referred to um, looking at Vandana's treehouse. I thought the treehouse was really interesting. Like I thought because um, she 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 baked like the structure that held it up you mm-hmm. know and it was i thought it was a really different different idea but she had all these like candies in um on the base and stuff and and Rochelle was like did you see the strawberries and i was like yep yeah, she didn't make those strawberries she did i she thought bought, she? i think she bought them okay. uh, well i wasn't sure you about know that what? i thought so i thought a lot of i thought that that had a lot of that hyperfine detail on it and i thought a lot of it was was either piped or made on site, but I, I can't say. For I sure. think I don't know. Maybe you know what? I'm I'm. If someone wants to tell me that I'm wrong, correct me. That's totally fine. But those strawberries look to me like they were made, like they were not made, that they were bought, that they were little candies. And she had like little um, wrapped um, chocolate balls that looked like soccer balls and like a basketball. Yes, that's true. And those came from the bulk barn. I, I I know I know that. Yes. So and it was just like I was like you know. It's, uh, yeah, so Linda's was, was like a jigsaw puzzle. It was just all all details and curly cues and ice, icicles. Oh, my God. It was and amazing. She incorporated lights into hers. She did. She, I mean, her, she did so much work on that. She really earned that fudge that she landed. Fudge. Uh, James also had lights on his. His were powered by solar panels integrated into his bake. Yeah, uh, and he, he made those mm-hmm. big uh, those big window panes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his architecture was simplistic, but he had a lot of details. He had like the worm compost bin and the green roof and the big picture windows. Yeah, I guess I'm dissatisfied in terms of like I I think a gingerbread house should look like a gingerbread house. I guess I'm a traditionalist, mm-hmm. and so I was a little bit I was a little bit just. I want to see. I want to see more icing. <laughs> uh, and Terry went to uh, to build her dream house in gingerbread with uh, windows, and it would be a barn uh, where she could adopt, bring in stray animals that nobody wanted to take care of. Oh man! I uh, yeah. Oh, I was. I really. You know, they really broke my heart with this one, where she, where she's talking about. She's, you know, she's bent over and she's, she's, she's working on her gingerbread, and she's like, "This one's for me." This is my dream. Yeah. I was like, don't do that to me, you guys. You guys. But she went out getting to do it. She didn't, like, go out and not get to do her dream. No, she did. She um, did. And she had, yeah, she had a bit of bad luck with the windows and they melted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, you know what? She had too much frosting. Her piping, her piping looked, um, it looked a little messy 
because I think she had like too big, like there was just too much of it. There was too much of it. And there was the, um, the piping ends were, were too big, you know, like maybe oh. if she'd gone with like a smaller piping end, mm-hmm. she would have been, it would have been more satisfactory looking. Um, yeah, that made me, that made me super sad. I felt like Terry and Linda were kind of both producing similar buildings, but Linda just had the advantage of experience. Well, she she says, you know, go ahead. No, you, you, you say it. Yeah. She said, (laughs) I make all my grandchildren their own gingerbread house, just a little gingerbread house. And then they all come and we decorate gingerbread houses. That's a lot of frosting. That is a lot. That's a lot of frosting in those hands. So, unfortunately, uh, Terry had to go home this week. Yeah, our star baker was Vandana. Vandana, oh, yeah, second yeah, time in a row. That's right, and yeah. she had she had the treehouse. I guess we, we, I, I complained about it, but I never actually described it. It was a treehouse sitting on top of the structure, and it was. she said it was for her son. Again, it's the story. I think the story was there, and that they mm-hmm. really liked it. Um, I... I um... I, I played uh, I played poker with some friends for quite a while, um, and one of the things that I really like about playing poker with friends and acquaintances in person is that people there there are there are rules to the game of poker, and within those rules you are allowed to do and say whatever you want, and people are completely who they are when they play poker. A big mm-hmm. blustery bully is a big blustery bully. A quiet considered thinker is a quiet considered thinker. A coward is a coward. A hero is Ooh. a hero. Um, and I think under the the hot spotlight and cameras of baking show, I think we're getting to see these people be who they are. I think. Um, yeah. Sabrina seems like a bit a bit of a, a hot blooded Italian get out of my kitchen sort of person. Um, Dana <laughs> seems like a like a like an unflappable business mom. Mm-hmm. James seems. You know, it's, I think it's I think it's worth remembering that Sabrina. I think she's only twenty four. Oh right, that's right. Yeah, I had forgotten. She's that. only twenty four. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, th- I think I think when you're younger, it's kind of sometimes maybe hard to know which risks to take. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And the other the other bakers are yeah much more experienced at life. That's true. <laughs> and um, you, I think you have a, a greater sense when you get older of which risks are worth taking. Well, thank you for listening to episode six of the Bake Canadian Takeoff. You can find us online at bakecanadian.com, on Twitter at bakecanadian, and on Facebook at facebook.com/bakecanadian. Our theme music is Dog Politics off the album Mood Music for the Apocalypse by Elvis Herod. And if you're enjoying our show, please tell a friend, share it with your friends, or leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice. Or just say hi to us on Twitter. Yeah, or just say hi to us on Twitter. Hi. Hi. Oh, see you next week. Bye. 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 Um, yeah, I had a whole bunch of notes about uh, gingerbread houses in the medieval period, but it didn't really seem... I thought it was fine. Yeah. It's actually quite... A, it's kind of neat. The whole, like, metaphor... Did you read about, read up on it? No.
Oh, it's like the Magus. Okay, so it's like the story of the Magus. There's there's three wise men, right? But uh, one of them, no, sorry, there's three wise men, but there were four. One of those wise men doesn't make it. He winds up in Syria, and he's bringing ginger. Oh. And he, yeah, and he doesn't complete the journey, and instead he gives his ginger to the local rabbi. And the local rabbi, okay, Bethlehem is Hebrew for house of bread. Bethlehem, okay. With it, yeah. And so, okay, so the rabbi that, um, the Syrian rabbi, um, he, they're all waiting for this. They know about the Messiah that's going to be born in Bethlehem. And so their students, his students are all making bread houses. And then when they get to, when the, when the magus, when the guy, this guy, magus, gives them the ginger, they put the ginger into their bread houses. Gingerbread houses. Huh. 